Over the summer, we have made a lot of trips around our block uh, walking. Our goal has been to try to try to walk 10,000 steps a day. Uh, on one of those trips around the block, uh, Marg spotted a choke cherry tree that was loaded with choke cherries. I think she probably got a picture in her mind of being a little girl with her parents and going out to the sand hills near Hilda, Alberta, and picking choke cherries. Uh, they did it every year. I think she could only go past that loaded choke cherry tree so often before she got the nerve to ring the doorbell of the owner. And she asked if those were choke cherries on their big tree. And he confirmed that they were choke cherries. And then I think she told her story of picking choke cherries as a little, as a farm girl. And I think that must have led her to say, are you going to pick those choke cherries? To which he said, no. She then said, well, would you mind if I picked them? And he said, you can just go right ahead. So we have choke cherries at our home, and uh, I've already devoured two jars of choke cherry jam, fresh bread and choke cherry jam. All right, stay focused here. Uh, and I have to say to Mark, uh, way to be courageous and just ask. I mean, you never know until you ask. And I think if she plays her cards right, she could have choke cherries for years to come. Only a couple of minutes from home. No, we weren't planning on sharing the address, so don't ask. Well, we want to talk this morning about one of the greatest asks in the Bible. It's quite an ask, and it's quite an answer. This is the conclusion of our Ancient Testimonies uh, summer series, and we've landed on the biblical character of Solomon. You know, as David comes to the end of his life, the twilight years, he's very mindful of the fact that his desire to construct the temple was not to be. That was not his mandate, although he desired it to be so. The Lord said no to David on that score and told him that it would be built by his son. David, I'm sure, was disappointed, uh, but he took it well. And as he was walking off the stage, he reminded the little group of leaders and family around him that he felt terrifically blessed by all the Lord had allowed him to be part of. And I think that's awesome. Uh, you may have, ha have aspirations in some areas of your life, and uh, perhaps it hasn't quite worked out as you hoped. What a wonderful attitude when you can take the high road and say, God, but I'm thankful for the way you have guided me. And you've been faithful to me, and you've directed my pathway all of my life. And for that, I'm so grateful. And my life has been so rich. Well, Solomon ascended the throne of his father, David, and he, he came to the throne not through selfish ambition and the desire to climb the ladder past the rest of his many siblings, but he ascended the throne by the sacred anointing of God. And God called Solomon to be the next king on the scene. If you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? Uh, some people wish they had different abilities. As a little boy living on the farm, I always wanted to be a gravel truck driver until one day a gravel truck drove over my precious little cocker spaniel dog. And uh, I never wanted to be a gravel truck driver again. Others wish for a change in their life circumstances. There's something that... Uh, they have that they wish they didn't have or something they don't have that they wish they had. You know, what would your wish be? If you, I mean, if you could wish for anything in the world, what would it be? I just read this week, the founder of Amazon is now the richest man in the world. He just went over 200 and 200 billion. 
That's his net worth. He made $30 billion in the last few months during COVID-19. I'm not upset. (laughs) Some of his workers are. Would you wish that you could top him by being worth $300 billion? Anyone? Would you really want $300 billion? I can almost hear your thoughts. Everybody together, just try me. (laughs) But what if your biggest wish really could come true? What would be your wish? No, but seriously, consider the question. John, you can have anything you ask for. Just name it. How long do you need to think about it? Solomon loved his dad, David, and he loved the Lord. First Kings chapter 3, verse 3 says, Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father, David. And Solomon's love for the Lord was demonstrated through his generosity. He genuinely worshipped God through offering sacrifices. First Kings 3, 4 says that the king went to Gibeon, the Gibeon, and, and uh, there he sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings, which probably doesn't impress us because we don't know that process and we don't know all that was involved. But I guess if you can just cut through the culture and the Old Testament practices, it simply meant that Solomon demonstrated his heart for God through all of these sacrifices. He demonstrated his heart for God. You know, our father longs to talk to us. He longs to spend time with us. He wants for us to hear his voice And Solomon, out of his love for God and his desire to serve him, set up the conditions for God to communicate his heart to Solomon. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. And God did not place any conditions on the king's request, but simply invited him to ask whatever he wished. Can you imagine that? This incredible invitation no doubt, was also a bit of a test. I mean, how does anyone respond to such a question? How you respond says a lot about what's on your heart and what you carry as core to your character. But here's what Solomon said, and you have to love it. It smacks of humility and dependence. God was pleased. Would that my answer would be half as good as Solomon's. Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father, David, but I am like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people, a nation so great and numerous they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? It's it's a marvelous big ask of God. And God was pleased. God said, "You, you made a great choice. You might have asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, but you didn't. You asked for wisdom. And that shows the awesome heart that you have. And Solomon, to his credit, when he prayed, he he understood that he was talking to God. And he had a clear perspective on the greatness of God. And it's a reminder that we should always start to pray about something, whatever it is, by acknowledging that God is God, that he is our God that he is at work in our lives, and that he is sovereignly in charge, that he has the power. I mean, I think it's so important to start there, just to know who you're praying to. When we come to pray, come with the perspective of the greatness of God. Remember, you're, you're not praying to a tiny little God. 
You're praying to the Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. And then, uh, secondly, Solomon came recognizing his own limitations. Uh, he was doubtful of his own abilities. And when he calls himself a little child, he means that he is inexperienced and therefore dependent on God to give him the help he needs. He came to God humbly, recognizing his limitations and his inadequacy. And I think all of us could probably bring to mind some experiences where we, we needed God so much to see us through. We were out of our comfort zone. Uh, when Mark and I started pastoral ministry quite a few years ago, we were kids, really. We pulled a U-Haul across Canada to a place that was totally new to us, near to the capital of our country. We had no experience. I mean, I had only preached a few sermons in my life. I could, I should have been petrified. I'd never done a funeral. I'd never sat in a board meeting. I, I can't tell you how inadequate I felt. Oh, that poor first congregation. <laughs> well, and true. Oh, that second congregation and the third congregation. But the first congregation, they didn't know how green I was. And I didn't know how green I was. And I didn't know much about leading a church. And the only thing I had going for me was that, that I was naive. <laughs> it's a wonderful quality. Praise God for naivety. Naivety. Uh, and I understand Solomon, his cry for wisdom. I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. But friends, what a good model for, the, for us, this man Solomon. When you find yourself with water rising up to your neck and you wonder what to do, Begin with the character of God and his saving work. Begin with who God is and, and his marvelous ability to rescue us and come alongside of us. Begin by trusting an awesome, sovereign God into your situation. Just acknowledge that you have someone on your team that's much bigger than you are and just ask him, just simply ask him, what do you want to ask of God? What do you need? Well, you might say a few million would be good for starters. Oh, you probably heard uh, just the other week an Nova Scotia couple won the lottery. They won $3 million about four years ago, and then they won $17 million just a week or two ago. I mean, who says lightning doesn't strike twice in the same place? And the wife had an expression, oh, wow, here we go again. Not a lot of excitement. Uh, but the good thing is they're going to give uh, a lot of money away for their little town that they live in in Nova Scotia. What do you really need from God? I mean, if we can get past the glamour, what do we really need? Uh, what about perhaps uh, a needed reminder today of asking God for the wisdom we need to serve him well in whatever he has called us to do? What about the wisdom to lead and to live in COVID-19? Did you need his wisdom this week? Will you need his wisdom next week? How about wisdom to be a principal of a school these days? How about wisdom to be a teacher these days? How about wisdom to be a nurse or a, a doctor or somebody on the front lines? How about the wisdom to lead our churches these days? George Barna, the church research analyst, is predicting that one in five churches will close in the next year. Why? Well, the loss of momentum, the, the loss of energy and discouragement, disunity, financial shortfalls, and the lack of creative dreaming to meet the challenges of the day. When you hear this, you know you can say, 
Oh my, what a terrible time. Or you can say like Solomon, we feel like children trying to lead this great work of yours. Father, you are the great God of the heaven and the earth and and you own it all and this is your ministry and your work and your people. So now I ask you to give us your creativity, give us your insight, give us your courage to lead and then to see the work of God grow and multiply under the mighty hand of God. In ourselves, we are unequal to any of the responsibilities and challenges that have been placed on our shoulders. But we can ask him to give us a discerning mind and an understanding heart. It's not about us, but it's for the good of God's people and the sake of his kingdom. Well, in the days that followed, it became astonishingly clear that God had answered the prayer for wisdom for Solomon. I mean, he knocked the ball out of the park on every important decision in his life. And God blessed him not only with wisdom, but with everything else, wealth and creativity and writing skills. I mean, he had all the major skills, both the left brain and the right brain skills. Uh, He was just one incredible human being. Plus, he was the king. And he set about to build a temple. I mean, if you turn to Second Chronicles chapter 7, you come to a milestone in the life of Solomon, the completion of the temple. This is the temple that his father had only dreamed about. And after years of hard work, Solomon's expert craftsman tapped the the last stone into place, hung the last wooden door. I mean, all the lamps were hung and polished and everything to gleaming perfection. Perfect and now complete. God's permanent house was now ready for habitation. It was a magnificent moment when the king and his people were making sacrifices to welcome God's glory into that new temple. An army of priests carried the Ark of the Covenant into the Holy of Holies. What a moment! Something very important had been accomplished. God's house had been built. God had never had a permanent residence before on this earth. He had always lived in a tent in the Shekinah glory. You know, It was that tent that could be loaded up, folded up, carried from one region to another. And his white shining light had always blazed into this space in the tent. But now he was to dwell in a house, a house expensively furnished. The smell of cedar was still in, in the rooms. <laughs> Love this cedar smell. And you could see the many places where the gold had been laid and it had a beautiful luster. Solomon had his own house at this point. It was called the palace. And it was beautiful, but not nearly as beautiful as the temple. Solomon had a heart for God's kingdom. He was obedient to build the temple. And there were some great moments of worship as that temple was dedicated. When the people saw the glorious presence of the Lord filling the temple, they fell down on the ground and they worshiped and they praised the Lord saying, He's good, He's good, His faithful love endures forever. And they sacrificed. The people and the king made sacrifices to, to, the, to the Lord. 22,000 cattle and 120,000 sheep and goats. I mean, this is hard for us to even imagine. Uh, but just know this, that it spelled devotion. It spelled devotion. It spelled love for God and gratitude that, that, his, that this God would be resident in the temple that was built for him. There was music. And the priests stood at their posts and the Levites were singing and they accomplished, uh, they accompanied their singing with music from the instruments that King David had made for praising the Lord. I mean, isn't that amazing? David had created a bunch of musical instruments. He invented them. 
and, and they were using these instruments of worship. It was a celebration time like no other, and it went on for a whole week. Uh, every church has been trying to adapt to how to have a meaningful worship experience when we can't all be together in worship. And uh, as you know, many churches are now back in the swing of in-person worship services, and it feels so good. Uh, and yet all the precautions are in place, and, and uh, I know it feels very safe uh, uh, to be at TCC, to, and will at Southwest as well. <clears throat> but we've had to adjust. We've had to learn about online services and pray and seek God even when the congregation is, is in various places in, in our homes. And we've been getting used to being online and we see it not as a production, not a big drama, but wherever God's church is on a Sunday morning, we are only whispering cues to one another, prompting one another to focus on Him. God is the audience. He's looking on and our, our hearts are to honor Him and bless Him and please Him. And so just thanks for being a congregation that enters in wherever you are. I'm glad we're not a stage with a play and we just have our lines. Uh, we are all the actors. We, we all enter in. We sing, we pray, we lift up our hearts in praise. We all do it. We all enter and God is our audience. What if your birthday were coming up and your friends announced that uh, they were giving you a party? Pretty exciting. And you eagerly anticipated uh, that happening. But finally, when party time actually came, they never noticed you. You were off in a corner and they talked about you as if you weren't even there. Eventually, you'd get the picture that they were just using the occasion of your birthday as an excuse to get together and enjoy one another. Do you suppose that's the way God feels at times? We just use the time to talk about him, but mostly we came come together to enjoy one another. Thank God for what he continues to teach us, that we want God to be front and center. We don't just talk about him, we talk to him. We worship him, we honor him, we bless him. And we gather around the Lord, we express our love to him again and again, and celebrate his presence Psalm 89.15 says, Happy are those who hear the joyful call to worship, for they will walk in the light of your presence, Lord. Well, it was a big celebration. It was such an awesome week for Solomon and all the people. Then at the end of the celebration, Solomon sent the people home. And it says they were all joyful and glad because the Lord had been so good to David and to Solomon and to his people Israel. Now, after the celebration was all over and Solomon went home, verse 12 says, Then one night the Lord appeared to Solomon and said, I've heard your prayer. No one was around. No more music. No audience. No one to applaud, uh, applaud the presence of God. Just God and Solomon. I, I mean, just imagine. Imagine yourself resting on a couch or, or being in bed, perhaps, in the middle of the night and in an unexpected way, there comes the visiting of God into your room. And you hear his voice as God says to you, as he did to Solomon, I've heard what you prayed. I've heard what you prayed. And he said, I like this place. I like what you've done. I've heard your praise. And then he says something very specific to Solomon. He says, not all the future will be like the past week. 
reality will set in. There will once again be the horror of, of wars. There will be the breakdown in the family and in society, and, and things will get messy. But Solomon, I, I want these sacrifices, this worship to continue in the hard times also. It won't always be easy, but I want you to continue on in the way that you started. And look at what the Lord says. At times I might shut up the heavens so that no rain falls, or command grasshoppers to devour your crops, or send plagues among you. Among you. There will be challenges ahead, and these same people who have come and worshipped this past week will go through hard times. And when they face hardships, some of them will begin to drift away. They will lose heart. They will become skeptical. They will compromise. And when these times come, I will expect four things from you and from your people. I will expect you to humble yourself. I'll expect you to pray. I'll expect you to seek my face. And I'll expect you to turn from your wicked ways. I don't know what Solomon was thinking at this moment. There was no response. But I imagine this was pretty sobering after such a grand celebration. Because Solomon knows mankind. He knows what people are like. I mean, he's seen it in his own life. He's seen it in his dad's life and in his grandparents' lives. I mean, he's seen life and he's seen hatred and he's seen war and relational conflict. I mean, he's no wallflower. But look at the promise that God gives if when you come to these dark moments and you humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. It's a beautiful promise. And it is for us as well. When we struggle and fall, the Lord says, get up. I still love you. I still love you. Humble yourself. Pray. Seek my face. Look for me. Turn away from what you've been doing. The front door and the back door are open always for our return and for our fresh start with God. This morning is an opportunity to say to the Lord, in the midst of a world pandemic, in the midst of unrest in our world and in our unsettledness, we humble ourselves. We admit our need. We open our hearts and turn away from the things that take us in the wrong direction, and we trust you to guide us. So what's your big ask today? Can you ask it in such a way that it's more about bringing glory to God than glory to your name? Would you agree with Solomon, Lord, I pray for wisdom for our family to make the best decisions. Lord, I pray for wisdom for our church to make the kind of decisions that will further the kingdom of God. Maybe you're dealing with a very difficult relationship issue and you need wisdom. Or you're in challenging times with your business and you need wisdom. You need wisdom to make the right medical decision. God sees your heart. Ask him to give you what uh, he wants to give you. Maybe it's wisdom for this hour. Maybe it's courage. Maybe it's endurance to just keep trucking on and being faithful. Come in humility. Come in dependency and say, Lord, lead me. I'm just a child and I need you. He loves those prayers. He loves those prayers. So thanks, friends, for uh, yeah, just 
giving attention to the Word of God this morning. Let's pray together. So our Father in heaven, uh, you can see all of our thoughts and concerns collectively as we all bow our hearts before you. You're such an awesome, powerful God. Forgive us uh, when we come with such a limited faith, forgetting who you truly are. (laughs) Forgive us for putting you in a little box and saying, this is God. You are so far beyond any box we can construct around us. You are El Shaddai, the Lord God Almighty, the all-sufficient one. And uh, to you today, we come with our big ask that he would supply all of our needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. Lift the burdens of those who feel stuck because they don't know which way to go. And the load is so heavy. Lord, be the all-sufficient one, the Lord God Almighty, for all of us who seek you today with our whole heart. We love you, our Father, and we're grateful to be your children and to have you as our Father. In Jesus' name we pray.